Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everyone. Uh, the Canucks just lost 4-3 to the Florida Panthers in Florida. I'm Kaya May, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. First, before we get into anything talking about the game, I'm just going to do a quick ad read. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Now, today we have a guest uh, joining us as one of the writers from Canucks Army and the evil Vancouver media. Welcome to Lachlan Irvin. How are you today? I'm I'm great. Uh, well, I mean, as good as I can be, given the circumstances coming in here, uh, <laughs> having watched one of somehow one of the most boring games of the year like that. It's it looks better on paper like that four to three uh, that four to three final looks much better on paper than it actually was. Yeah, it was certainly like uh, personally, I don't drink and I was like, I need a drink after this. Like this is it's so moving hockey with two teams that typically aren't supposed to be that slow um yeah the, like, yeah I, I had a lot i had i had a lot of coffee before uh we got going here just to make wake myself up a little bit yeah just before puck drop i went i went and i got myself a nice coffee because i was like this is gonna be a game and it was um preface it off both teams sixth in their division 12th in their conference uh, the Canucks and Florida definitely um, kind of playing under where they wanted to be this season. Florida, of course, won the President's Trophy last year. Um, they're not too in, doing too hot right now. They're out of the playoff race. Vancouver's out of the playoff race, but again, they weren't in it last year. But also, they Bruce Boudreau did say, um, if we don't make the playoffs this year, it is a disaster. Which was interesting, considering we start the season with going 7-0. and Um... Yeah, we, the Canucks get the lead early. Studnika's goal um, kind of just floats past Bobrovsky. Also, we have now dropped four of our five road trip games. We play our last one tomorrow in Carolina. Um, and a lot of the games we face the backup goaltenders, which is not a good sign for how the league overall views Vancouver's strength, in my opinion. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 all bad right now. Like it's it's and it could have been a lot better, especially considering the way things started. Like that Stanika goal, just watching Sergei Bobrovsky's controller disconnect at the worst possible time for him. Uh, and then even the Tyler Myers goal, he just didn't react. It really did. It really did look like, OK, if they can get a bunch of shots on goal and like take advantage of a goaltender who's clearly playing with not the same level of confidence that you that you want in your starting goaltender uh they could probably still win this game but as usual the the usual suspects come to haunt come back to haunt them here where you know the penalty kill falls completely apart as usual uh once the panthers kind of just decided to flip the switch into and play like a team that isn't sixth in their division suddenly they looked a whole lot better than the canucks did and 
it, yeah, like this was a this was a this was a winnable game for the Canucks as far as any of the others have been. I think this has been the one that they would have had the best shot at coming away with at least a point or two. Um, and they still couldn't get it done. I think it's I, I mean, I we're beating a dead horse here, but I mean, it's pretty <laughs> obvious this team's not very good. And there's there's not much you can do about it at this point. It's just kind of, you know, pray that you've got have your have your coping coping mechanisms for the next 40 games. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Yeah, like you said about the penalty kill and how the Florida, how the Panthers basically rallied back and didn't look like, you know, they were in the same position that the Canucks are. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting considering that's kind of the I don't want to say disparity, but. That's probably not the right word, but the difference between the two conferences, because people always like make jokes now about the Western Conference, how it's much easier to get in the playoffs, which it is, considering both the, I believe the Flames and I believe the Oilers still are in a playoff spot, and the Flames almost blew a lead to, lead to Dallas today, um, like a five-goal lead to Dallas, um, which was insane. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of like the difference between the two uh, systems on each coast um and like you said yeah it was a winnable game uh florida's not doing too hot um compared to tampa who literally is still the basically the exact same team almost the exact same team that won the cup two years ago um still with like great additions and even bobrovsky is also technically their backup like i know spencer knight was getting a lot of the starter jobs and a lot of the starter credit beginning of the season i believe he's injured right now because bobrovsky has been starting a lot of games uh, not harm center on that. Florida's kind of across the continent from me, so I don't really pay attention to them a lot. But, um, yeah, it was certainly an interesting game. The penalty kill was definitely not strong. I thought it was an interesting choice to put Stillman out there. Um, I know he used to play for the Panthers, and that's kind of, like, always a thing. You always put the player who used to play for that team out, or else it's a dick move. <laughs> Mike Babcock, but, um, they played him... In on December 1st, and it was disastrous on Canucks Twitter, um, he didn't play for six games. They put him on against Tampa Bay. Yeah, not too good. And then this game really cost him. What do you see as his future on the team, considering also that we technically also gave up a second-round pick? I mean, I think, I think at the very least, there's, you know, especially with all the rumors floating around about, you know, the future in terms of the behind the bench and everything i think it's and the fact that stillman i believe is still in rfa after this season i think at the very least they're gonna see him as cheap depth and they're gonna be able to give him a pr like pretty close to league minimum uh on a contract again um i i think in a lot of ways you kind of just and it's just a case of he's a body he's gonna be part of the system for as long as he's you know in rfa or they can or unless he becomes a piece in a in a in a different sort of deal or of some kind, um, but I think the key the key is going to be you know can in the off season or at the trade deadline can they actually make moves to upgrade from him from him to the point where it's painfully clear to everybody, uh, specifically to Canucks management really that he's not the, uh, an NHL defenseman like he can be he can be playing in the like you want to be able to put the build the team into a place where he is very clearly an AHL defenseman. And, you know, you and I both know that that is where he belongs at this point, but 
right now the there's just not enough talent on the blue line for them to really seriously consider it. So I I think it's a case of they'll eventually they'll they'll push him down the depth chart if they play their cards correctly, but you know, even then it's hard to have a lot of hope on that front, right? Yeah, I could see that definitely being a conversation as the conversation on trading Luke Shen heats up. Um, I understand that there are different positions, of course, but uh, that would mean Burroughs coming back, but then the guy that's usually scratched when Stillman's in, Burroughs, is playing the lineup, which means you have another, like, you know, another... Not saying that Burroughs isn't great. Personally, I like Kyle Burroughs. I like his energy. Like, I yes. still think it's so weird that they put him on for warm-up and then just, just like, okay, now change. Bye. Like, I, th yeah. I still think that's the weirdest tactic ever. Um... Yeah, yeah, he's a fan favorite. He's a he's a player favorite. He's a they they clearly like him in that locker room. And it's kind of like and and again, I don't understand if you're like if you're trying to switch out between Kyle Burrows and Riley Stillman, like what is the difference really? Mm -hmm. What what real difference are you are you making? So you might as well throw in the guy who's clearly got a little bit more of a a little bit more of the like popular guy in the locker room. Not to say that Stillman isn't. I don't know. I wouldn't know that. But at the very least, it's you know in a in a season where there's been a lot of like oh there's issues with the locker room and everything. It's like yeah, you might as well throw in the guy who you know gets the his teammates like energized and brings that kind of and brings some of the fun to the rink. Like that's the kind of player you want in your lineup regularly. Yeah, like the whole bringing him out for warm, not playing the game. Don't you want them to have energy during the game and not the warm up? Yeah, exactly. Like, where's the logic there? Um, yeah, one thing I really hate about playing in Florida is um, the goal sound. What's, oh, your yeah. what's your opinion on the cat? Because I per personally, I did like, I remember I was streaming on Twitch last year when we played in Florida. I heard the cat sound and it was the first time I clocked it as a cat sound. I'm like, what if other teams started? Like, what if we just had a whale, like whale sounds like Dory and Finding Nemo? That would be just the weirdest sonar thing. going <laughs> off in the entire building, like setting off, like uh, setting off a bunch of car alarms. Uh, yeah, I think I mean, I, I mean, I think it's unique, uh, at least in terms of from from the Panther side of things. I think that it's it's definitely overused particularly i think they use it during the song which bothers me Ooh. all the time like they they'll play the like if they want to just use it as like in between the goals themselves like or like the goal announcement i don't care too much but uh if they're but i think they're playing them during like the 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 jimmy eat world song they got playing and in, in there and it doesn't work i other than that you know i i i can't say i have i don't have like I do have opinions on goal horns and goal songs for mm -hmm. sure because I'm a giant nerd. But yeah. I, you know, I don't think I've ever like clocked the the Panthers one as a particular as like one of the particularly bad ones in the league. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I don't know. I just feel like it's off putting to have the cat is like imagine like the jet score and there's just airplane sounds. Uh, breaking kind of news tonight: Boston just signed Pavel Zaka. Oh really? Good. Just, uh, just re is that a is that a re-signing? That's an extension. On... Okay. That's an extension. Four by four point seven at five. Yeah. Nice. All right. As uh, finally, the Bruins get get a bounce their way. It's about yeah. time. Finally, like were, those poor those poor guys. They've yes. had such a rough go. I know. Just got handed their first loss on home Good ice. Lord. 
And it was the Kraken, too. That hurt so much. Yeah, the talk about all of the parallels just everywhere for the Canucks to be looking at, like, staring them dead in the face. Like, you have the Kraken. Like, yeah, obviously, it's easier to come in as an expansion team to a, to a degree and start from scratch. But at the same time, uh, considering how not good the Kraken were last year, mm-hmm. for them to have completely leapfrogged you in a calendar year is incredibly embarrassing and something you should be like, you should be really ashamed of as an organization. If you're getting like, especially not because if they were like, look, if the Canucks were actively tanking and they made that very clear, then I don't think anyone would care really. But it's the fact that the Canucks are like, no, we're competitive. Mm -hmm. And the Kraken are, are almost a full, I think if they win tonight, they will be uh, 19 points ahead of the Canucks in the standings so like yeah it's oh it's not gosh. good things are not going great that's not that's not good it's not good and especially like we play the kraken on the 25th is on a back-to-back uh, i know we play chicago the night before but like how much you how much are you betting that uh that's going to be our first uh loss against them in franchise history Honestly, I honestly like the way that honestly, I don't know. I that because of how we how weirdly dominant the Canucks have been against the Kraken. I can't necessarily call it a loss for sure. It would be very funny if they ended up losing to Chicago the night before. That would be a, a lot more in line with what the Canucks are with the Canucks uh, it, recent stretch. It would be on brand. I mean, I'm covering that game, too. So it's going to be I, I get to cover almost every loss. It's hilarious. But uh, well, it's not like they're, you know, rare, but um, I find it really yeah. funny how the Kraken have added uh, a former Philadelphia um, personnel and Martin Jones and they're practically saved, whereas we added floor- former Philadelphia personnel and Mikey Owen were terrible. Yeah, I I mean, I'll say, you know, in Martin Jones defense, like I watched Martin Jones for a long time. I started writing in I started uh, my writing career living in san jose or in like the northern california and covering the sharks uh and covering the canucks from afar at that time Mm -hmm. and martin jones was going through just like one of that one of the worst stretches of his career like he was clearly on that he was clearly struggling and it was like i think and i was and i as i was watching him was like i think if you just tighten up if he just tightens up and gets back to the things that he's best at he could be okay like he might not be a great starting NHL goaltender for the rest of his career, but he at least can be a serviceable one B option for you. And sure enough, he goes to Seattle and all of a sudden he is, he's back to normal. He mm-hmm. is playing, he's playing some of his, uh, his best hockey and I'm, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's doing well again. Um, but it's it. Yeah. It's all been, it's, it's, it, you're just seeing all the differences there. Like, I mean, the Kraken have like Jared McCann, who's having a ridiculous year. They just, they just, Yep, former Canuck. They landed uh, Eli Tolvanen off the waiver wire, who, I mean, if the Canucks had the cap room, they didn't. Uh, but if they had, it would have been a nice player to pick up for them. Uh, he's been going off like that. Like, it's all, you're seeing what happens when you don't, like, when you don't put so much money in, like, you don't push yourself all the way up against the cap to the point where you are stuck and you have no, and there's no way to make, to change things or, or patch any holes up like the Kraken are doing this well right now because they left themselves a lot of cap room 
to make changes as they go. The Canucks have none of those options at their disposal because they they just can't. They've they've put themselves into they've shot themselves in the foot so many times that it's just they there's nothing there. Yeah, it's uh, certainly interesting. And then Jim Rutherford comes out recently saying stuff about how oh I wasn't I was so like I was so confused about how like they work around the cap here and blah 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 blah. And I'm like. Dude, you kind of knew this beforehand, and you still made all those signings. You still made all those transactions. Um, yep, there was it's... enough. There was enough time for him to understand the issues to the point of of where some of the decisions they made uh, last off season they could have gone. Well, we probably shouldn't, and yeah, but they didn't. They just didn't. He was too overconfident in uh, his superstar. 99 point JT Miller. Um, yeah, I just yep. can't believe he really thought that this guy, JT Miller, holding up a JT Miller card for audio listeners and then was going to be this guy, Sidney Crosby card. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're they're not they're not the same. Yeah, um, I, I've spent a, I've spent I, I, I'm going to I'm going to not talk too much about JT Miller today because I've spent enough time and I think people are. I know a lot of people are already tired of yep. me talking about it. So fair enough. Last and and he, yeah. hey, he had a cool little he had a cool little whack at the puck. Uh, he did. He in, did in the in the in the Florida zone. There, he almost got a goal out of it. That would have been if he had converted on that. That would have been very nice. Yeah, he he's played better in the last few games, but I don't know. I already went on a twenty minute Miller rant at a, on another episode, so that was certainly interesting. I want to get before we move on. I want to get your thoughts on the officiating for this game because uh was certainly interesting. Um I really thought like obviously they can't really see well. I mean same with Bobrovsky. I'm pretty sure he needs some kind of glasses or something cuz like buddy buddy's nearsighted. He can see everything in front <laughs> of him, but everything behind him, all three of our goals were from part from points that you should be able to see but you just can't. Um yeah. I don't know. I thought the rest could also not see because they put um, Eric Stahl in the box. When yep, they put the Mar wrong stall. They put the wrong stall. And they left him there, too, On when Pedersen made it 4-3. Yeah, they put Eric Stahl in the box, but Mark Stahl was the one who got the penalty. I guess Eric was also standing there, but Mark is the one who like cross-checked Mikheyev. Um, I thought it was interesting. And then, of course, the... Uh, the, the Joshua. Yeah, the Joshua goalie interference on with Radko Gudis bumping him in. Ugh. Um yeah, I like I'll I'll say this. It's not like the refereeing was bad particularly bad tonight. It's mm -hmm. kind of always this bad. Like yeah. there okay, there were a few like weird gaffes. I will say like to be let's be fair here, there were a few weirder gaffes. Like, yeah, the stall putting the wrong stall in the box was definitely a new one. Um, but God, there've been a lot of, there have been a lot of nights recently on this road trip, even where plays, whether not just even going against the Canucks, but even like plays where the Canucks themselves should have gotten penalized that either didn't, or they would, or the refs just missed something. It was, it's been yeah. so bad. And it all comes back to the same old issue of the NHL, not, of the NHL protecting the refs to the oomph degree, not let not making them go out and ever have to do press conferences or media availability like the players do. It's it's and it's ridiculous because of the fact that, like, you know, when a player makes a mistake, 
you know, they're going they know that they're probably going to have to answer for it publicly and they're going to have to take questions from the media about it. Unless you're JT um, Miller. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, J well, you know what? To be fair to JT Miller, he often he's in a lot of he does go up in a lot of media availability when he yeah. doesn't necessarily have to. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the refs never do. And the refs absolutely do not have to talk, have no media obligations whatsoever. They never have to answer for decisions that they make on the ice. Like the, the one a few games ago where I think it was, I want to say it was Lane Peterson who got, who tripped up or it might've been, you know what? It was, sorry. It was Jackson Nika tripping up one of the penguins and with two seconds left in the second period, clear penalty. And the ref just was like, no, there's two seconds left. Let it go. I'm letting it go, which is, really dumb considering it's like okay whether or not it's like yeah it's cool that your team gets a little bit of a break there but at the same time it's like no you want them to call the call a penalty as it is it doesn't matter if there's 20 minutes left in the first period or a second left in the third you call a penalty is a penalty and you got to call them and yeah you're seeing now mistakes just all over the, across you're seeing mistakes across the board that shouldn't be and it's just a matter of it's like it's really it really does come down to the nhl not holding the refs to a high enough to the higher standard that they should and being given and being forced to like answer for mistakes and be in the same way that like players and coaches have to. Yeah. Like I think you explained it perfectly, but yeah, they should be held accountable for what they do with the league, especially because uh, like the Panthers really showed one, how bad the Canucks penalty kill is. Apparently it's heading towards worst in franchise history or it's a historically wor worst Penalty kill for the season so far, which is terrible considering this franchise is older than my parents. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, older than most people's parents, I think. Mo at yeah, this point. yeah. Uh, I don't know, like Gen Xers, like Gen Xers, like the like the like the middle age kind of group now. That's yeah. that's where that's where the Canucks started existing, and we're at a historically low point now. And <laughs> I'm like, that's not good. Um. Yeah. yeah, it's that that PK uh, is I I don't even know if it's necessary. Like, I don't. it's one of those things where it's so bad that you don't even know where to begin uh, and where and what would fix it necessarily. Like, there's yeah. no it's it's just so bad in every possible way. I think and it's not like this is and it's not like this is a new issue for them. This was the same thing last year, like mm -hmm. the under different coaching that they, they were just as bad on the penalty kill. Uh, and at one point, I think they were even worse. Um, it It's just so clear at this point that like there are so many issues plaguing the Canucks. They don't have the right pieces in the right places. There are just so many things. There are so many fires that need to be put out. You have to just ask yourself, okay, why don't we just let it, let it, let the fire burn, burn itself out. And then we'll start built rebuilding from there. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I guess letting the fire put itself out, just like waiting for like the seven years on the OEL contract to be up seven years on Miller. Um, but yeah, also to add to that, I know there was calls about the refing the other night after uh, Mikhail Sergachev sucker punched Connor Garland in the face. Just wanted to point out uh, one of the refs from the Tampa Bay game was one of the refs tonight. Um, they're on, they're you know enjoying their little Florida vacation. Maybe got confused. Maybe got confused. But uh, they had yeah, too much fun at Disney World. Too much fun at Disney World. Oh gosh.
Yeah, there was a couple makeup calls, like, Besser should have been called for holding at one point, just before we went on the power play for Lundell tripping on Hughes. Um, I thought yeah. Gudis made a really weird move. He kind of, like, turtled on top of the puck. Um, yeah, and then Horvat for tripping on Mark Stahl. I understand he kind of got his stick right on the blade, but this came right after Panthers thought fans thought Miller should have been called on a call, so I'm like, okay, that could be a makeup, could not be. I mean, it's probably also deserved, but, like, at the same time, like, right there... <laughs> It, Mark yeah. Stahl's an old man. He probably just fell. Um, yeah. no, no offense to Mark Stahl, but, like, dude. Um, yeah, it was certainly certainly an interesting thing for tonight. Uh, before we get into the next topic, I uh, just wanted to remember, remind everyone, like, uh, comment in the chat, hit subscribe to the SCPN Sports channel. Um, I'm Kaya May, at Real Kaya May on Twitter. Lachlan is at Lock in the Crease. Um, on Twitter, yes, that is, that is it, yes. Um, yeah, uh, remember to rate and review on, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform. Let's get into some Canucks news! Um, I kind of brought this in when I introduced you, but yeah. Do you think that or the organization is trying to villainize Canucks media from... Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's trying. They've been doing that for years. Like mm-hmm. this is this is nothing. That's nothing new. Like this is. Yeah, it has been. It's been a long issue. It's been a very easy. It, it's been a very easy excuse for the organization to kind of go, well, you know, the reason why we're not good is because the media is too negative about what we're doing and that sort of thing. Right. And I, you know, I've seen both sides of it. I'm not, you know, I don't work full time in the media, obviously. I'm just, you know, I just do it part time these days, but I mean, hopefully I want, I can do it full time at some point uh, mm-hmm. down the road. And, you know, I've seen it from a fan side of things and it's like, okay, well, you look at a lot of other markets, including markets where, there are clearly far more like it where it can clearly get far more like um negative and you can get these way in that in that sort of way and you see a lot of like worse stuff going on from media types and other markets sometimes right and those teams find a way to be good because it's not about because at the end of the day it's not about like what media you're getting what media coverage you're getting you're going you still have to make the decisions that are you still have to make the right decisions. And especially uh, at this point, right? Like the, you know, we've seen the media market, the sports media market in Vancouver, like completely just dwindle down mm-hmm. over time, right? Like it's not the same. It's nowhere near the same big market media market it used to be, even like as recently as like a decade ago. Like there used to be, there, there was two radio stations at one point. There was two newspapers, like there was, just a lot more coverage around across the board. It's gotten a lot smaller and a lot less people are tuning in really to Canucks games at this point. It's there's this common notion that like, you know, you know, the media likes it when the team is likes it when the team is bad, because then it, that sells more papers, et cetera, what have you. But it's not true that they, it's simply not true because when the team's not good, all the casual fans or the people who are kind of just who are just who are there to see if the team does well or not, check out. So only you're left with only the people, only the diehards, which is a really a much smaller amount of people than you would get in a year where the team is good. Like it is it's so much better to cover a team that's 
winning and winning with consistency and regularity. Like I'm, I've been writing by myself, myself for like, uh, I think like since like 2016 and I've only covered a team that's made the playoffs once. And that was in the COVID bubble. And I'm sick of, I'm sick of having to talk about how bad the team is when it's like, you know, you know, all the things that could like, or at the very least you have a pretty clear idea of what would improve things and what would, you know, set them on the course to being a cup contender again. And it's, and it sucks seeing them just keep going around in circles and doing the same things over and over and over again that, and failing at them, but trying them again. I just want, I want to cover a good team. I want to cover a, a fun, a team that's fun to talk about and that you're excited about. I don't, I I'm already dreading talking about 40 more games of this. Like <laughs> it's, it's not fun. It's sucks. It just fully sucks. And for, yeah, when the, and yeah, when you hear stuff like, uh, like the media being too hard on players and that sort of thing, it's, it's, it's what it is, is it's just a convenient excuse for the organization to never improve anything and to like not make the decisions, the proper decisions that have to be made. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. Yeah. It's, it's like media loves it when we're losing. I feel, yeah, it's like you said, it's not true because all like, only the diehards stick in and then the diehards are are splitting off now because you know there's the team tank versus team not tank there's different sides we're basically at war within a smaller aspect of each other we're always fighting other canadian teams we're always in a war with the leafs and i do not understand that because why i don't understand the canucks leafs beef i'm just putting that out there i do not <laughs> understand it whatsoever um yeah it's it's not fun covering a losing team personally i've only been doing this game over vancouver for like this season but still i had to cover the seventh loss in a row against uh carolina um probably the most impact i've had in vancouver media because i just stood on my bed and screamed like that was just getting it out there as a fan but also trying to cover a team that has no direction whatsoever um yeah, it's draining. It's mm -hmm. very draining. Like, like my energy is at an all time low. Like, it, you're you you walk into these games. You you walk into these games knowing exactly what's about to happen, and you're just like you're kind of just zomb like a zombie, like going through it. Like, you because you know you know how you know they're either gonna lose or they're gonna play it, win a game that they probably didn't deserve to win, and it's gonna give the wrong people, uh, too much like. Uh, it's going to give the wrong people belief in the system they've got, even though it's clearly flawed to begin with. And it, it, it sucks. Like I would, and again, I would love to be in a scenario, in a situation where it's like, I get to, all we have to talk about is like, Hey, the team is doing great. This player could be doing a little better, but that's okay. Cause they're winning like there's, and, and even just like, it's, it's so much easier to get up and find fun things to talk about and like find, joy in your job when you get to talk about a team that's winning games like it's it's not it's not fun it's not better for anybody god i i can't wait till the day that we get to to talk about like you know a team that actually has some real like potential in it yeah and who knows who's going to be on that team considering i don't know apparently some writer in minnesota is telling people that Pedersen doesn't want to resign but that could be a potential possibility like he could Matthew i mean could chuck it i mean could you can you blame them? No. Like it's, it, I couldn't, I couldn't like it's, it's yeah. If they wouldn't, if, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's like, you know, if they, if yeah, like I would, if he, if that did end up being true, I would find it very hard to believe that 
like I would find very I would find very hard to be like, no, how dare he? Like, no, he's been on a losing team for long enough, a team with no direction for long enough. Like if that if he wanted out, I I could not blame him in the slightest. But hopefully, uh, hopefully that ends up not being the case. Yeah, that's like my my thought whenever they're like, oh, we're going to trade Besser because I'm like, Besser's one of my favorite players. But at the same time, he's been stuck in this organization with no plan. He was drafted in 2015. Bo Horvat, I you know I was sad they signed Miller over Horvat, but at the same time, um, like he's been stuck in this organization for almost ten years now. Um, yeah. it's like with I guess they like that was when they started having no direction was when he got drafted. Um, because you know immediately after they trade Luongo, they bring in Tortorella, they and then Desjardins, then Green. It was just uh hurricane i guess cyclone Sir, cyclones west coast i'm gonna go with cyclone of <laughs> just randomness that keeps it's just the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results um that's basically what the vancouver canucks have done for the last decade um and yeah they've made the playoffs twice in the last decade i believe yeah it's about it's about yeah it's it's and and they weren't good in those playoffs either. yeah they were there well well actually well you know they were good they were okay in the 2020 bubble like they were good in that one i'll give them a credit on that front but like but even then it was like by the time they got to game seven against vegas of that series it was kind of like you could see they were completely gassed and they had given it everything they could and second round second round exit was their ceiling and you were like well they did fine they did great given the circumstances you can't be upset that they this is that this is where it ends for them what's frustrating is that that shouldn't have been that shouldn't have been the the absolute ceiling like it clearly has been and that's clearly as good as it'll ever get for this group yeah because people still talk about the like the bubble and like the glorification of the bubble that was three years ago it's time to move on um it was three years ago. We don't have a team is lot dead. of that. A lot of that core. Yeah, that team is dead. That team is gone. That team died in the fifty-six season. This fifty-six game season, when you know they probably shouldn't even have completed the season, considering how sick some of the players were, and like how COVID basically ran through that team. I don't know. I still think it was ridiculous that they continued with that. Anyway, continuing on more uh, injury situations. I want to bring up just a little bit on the Tanner Pearson situation. Now the NHLPA is stepping in. Apparently the team is investigating uh, the medical stuff that went on. Um, Quinn Hughes had to re-clarify his comments saying it wasn't, he said it wasn't handled properly and then had to go back and say, oh, I was just emotional because Tanner's a friend of mine, blah, blah, blah. Um, apparently he needs another surgery. According this week, I think it's his fourth. It's either third or fourth or maybe fifth. He's had a handful of surgeries. Apparently, there's an infection. Like, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. Uh, he's not playing for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on what's going on here? I mean, I you know, it's it. There's there's not a lot I can say on that front, just because of you know, it's such a mystery of what mm-hmm. actually happened. Still, and you know, with all you know, you want to give you want to give Pearson the time to and the and the 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 NHLPA and his agent time to like basically cover exactly what went wrong. But I'll say this, the fact that, that Hughes even uh, felt the need to come out and publicly 
comment on what happened there, regardless of whether or not he ended up walking it back after that speaks volumes to me mm-hmm. because Quinn Hughes for starters is not a very chatty guy like it, that, that's and that's not and everybody knows that he isn't right. He's not a he's not a guy who's going to give you the big bombastic quote uh, in a pre- in a presser generally. So when he feels the need to speak up and say something, that's a not nothing. That's absolutely not nothing. And it's not like this is a one off for the for the Canucks, for the for the organization. And this goes back ages like this is a different medical staff than the pre than a previous one. But, you know, you had a you've they've had a lot of situations where injuries that were supposed to be this time frame suddenly dragged out for way longer than the the initial time frame or some or there were complications or something like that like going back to like Brock Besser's wrist from his uh from his rookie season mm-hmm. uh and like the and the the t- and all of those sorts of situations where it's like he kept coming back suddenly he was injured again and out for another long stretch of time and it was like well what are you doing if he's clearly not healthy why is he playing mm-hmm. and um you know they've had this situation already they've had this situation like to an to a certain degree before already this, this year, year like especially with besser year, like yeah with besser uh with jason dickinson playing oh. through an a bro- like I, I forget if it was a broken wrist or at least an injured wrist uh of some kind or some yeah. sort of injury in his hand yeah. um as well um, um Demko, yeah, Demko, Demko is one that I'm keeping a very clear eye on because I mean mm-hmm. there was talk this week that or last week I should say that he might play on this road trip, and I was just thinking to myself, okay, if he was not supposed to be back until February, there's no way he's healthy enough to be playing right now. Yeah, there, he and if they're bringing him back, it's to try and drag the Canucks into a playoff spot, into playoff like contention again. Uh, at the cost of his long-term health and which would be a massive mistake to make and something that you cannot let happen. So uh, yeah, I have a lot of concerns about what, where the injury situation is going to go for the Canucks. I I really, my heart goes out to Tanner Pearson uh, for having that he's had to deal with this. And, you know, there's talk that it might be career threatening. I really hope it's not. And I hope I get to, I hope we get to see him on the ice again at some point here Mm -hmm. soon. Yeah, personally, you know, I like Pearson's game. People can complain about that all he all you want, but I don't know. I like Tanner Pearson. Um, I hope he comes back at I see um at the soonest, you know, next year. Uh hopefully he's healthy. All yeah. doing well. All right, once again, uh like, comment in the chat, um, subscribe, uh, rate and review if you're listening on a podcast platform. And now we're going to turn a couple questions onto the chat while we also discuss and we're going to be reading through some comments here. Um, I just want to bring up, I saw it first on your Twitter, so I'm kind of blaming you for this, but uh, the Uh-oh. the new skate jerseys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, personally, I'm wearing my old one from last season that still has the white in it, and I don't dislike this one. I don't know. It looks It looks certainly different and certainly not great what are your thoughts on what they're gonna do with that what so um i'll say what i said on twitter which is like i'm i'm reserving a lot of my uh opinion for the jerseys until i can see the adidas ones so the ones Mm -hmm. that i posted on twitter 
were uh, a fanatics. copy off the NHL story and one of the fanatics ones, which don't always like show you like the deep. They don't show the detail. They're they're very clearly like just like kind of like a, they're just a, a rendering, like an artist's rendering of the jersey, even on like those listings, really. So I'm like reser- reserving a lot of my like my judgment on it until I see it in person or on at least in Adidas ver- form. Um, but from what I've seen of it, from those pictures, um, I'm not I don't love the complete removal of white, particularly behind the the lettering on the skate blade. I think mm-hmm. it looks I think it looks very wonky without it. I don't think the letters pop as well without it there. I think the rest of the jersey not having white is fine overall. But that particular change is one that I think if it if it plays out the way it looks on those jerseys, I don't think I'm going to like it as much. But and which would be, you know, just a, you know, in classic Canuck fashion, right? Taking a slam dunk decision that everybody can get on board with and somehow getting it wrong would be very on brand for this franchise. And yeah, like it's, there are some interesting looking features about it. It might be a cool looking Jersey, but I mean, we'll see if it ends up living, if it ends up being as popular as the standard throwback Jersey. I think I honestly don't know if it will be. Yeah, considering like a lot of fan reaction, there's been a lot of people. Um, I know fellow Game Over uh, Vancouver co-hosts uh, Clay cannot Clay likes it. Uh, decided to put his inf- uh, his opinion in my tweet about it. But yeah, I don't know. I got this one was from last year's, and they still it doesn't look the same. I just think that there's a lot of weird creative decisions that they didn't really count to. The coolest part about it for me is the mountains on the inside of the collar, which yeah. kind of made me think of like the. Uh, Oh, it looks like the Abbotsford game did continue because Linus Carlson just scored. Um, there you go. It, it yeah. reminds me of the like the next gen. I have mine here actually. The next gen Leafs jersey has the. Oh, I don't know. Oh yeah, like the Toronto skyline and stuff added in. They have all these little details. It kind of reminded me of that, but it's on the collar of the jersey, so I'm not sure if I really like that. But then again, like you said, fanatics rendering. Yeah. We'll yeah, see I... if it's an Adidas version. But I I do believe it's supposed to be. I think aesthetics uh, put this in a video today. I believe it's supposed to be the North Shore Mountains uh, yes. on the yeah. on the on that back on that back collar. So that's going to that that's honestly like I like I kind of like those kinds of like little details, especially like even if it's just like on the collar where no one else will see it except you when it's like hung up. Like, yeah, I kind of like those things. I, I kind of like those little added details. I think that's it's like, cool. It's like a little Easter egg. Kind yeah, of. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's certainly an interesting choice. We'll see when it comes out, but it's probably going to be the next alternate, considering they've been trying really hard to get rid of the, the old stick and rink alternates. I know they've been on sale for, like, yeah. many months at this time. And now, yeah. just as we were our last take to wrap up the show, um, wanted to talk about something that was mentioned during the second intermission of yeah. Hockey Night in Canada tonight, where they did a little 32 Thoughts panel, and Elliot Friedman said that Rick Tockett is most likely the new Canucks coach, potentially in the offseason, but potentially not. Um, yeah, you know, Bruce was brought in midseason last year, breathed new life into this organization, all of a sudden, he's bad and they don't want him. Um, obviously, Bruce isn't Rutherford or who knows Aquilini's guy. Um, knows what's going on in that situation. What are your thoughts on if we brought Rick Tockett in? I mean, I think it's I think it's 
in in some ways, I think it's just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> like I don't again, like I the the uh, analogy I always use when it comes to the coaching side of things is if you stepped into a time machine, went back in time and grabbed in his prime Scotty Bowman out of like the 1970s and he and were able to teach him everything there is to know about modern hockey. Uh, I he would get maybe a couple more wins out of this group, but I think that it would be it would still not make them a good team. And I think that, you know, I think that changing the coach like is not going to fix a lot is not going to fix a lot here. Uh, It's and as far as like Rick Tockett is is concerned, I don't really like his coaching style. I think it's very low energy i watched his coyotes play some of the most boring hockey of the last like century um when he was coaching them like they just just unwatchable like how bo- how purely like de- like defense first to the point where it was just boring it was so boring and i if that's what he's planning on bringing to the canucks i am not happy about it um i think the one the one upside I could possibly see with Rick Tockett is that he has coached a team to the bottom of the standings before. And as somebody who really wants to see Connor Bedard in a Canucks uniform, uh, that's fine with me. I'll take that. That's a <laughs> that's a good that's a good reason to hire a coach. Um, yeah. But again, I don't really know at this point why they wouldn't just play out the year with like Mike Yo or Trent Cole as the interim head coach and and see where they're at in the off season and then pick from there. I think, I think any mid season coaching hire is a, is a mistake. Generally speaking, what yeah. about you? Personally, I think um, if we hired him mid season again, I see this as a disrespect thing on Bruce, especially he was like, I don't technically dislike Bruce Boudreau. I'm going to say that um, he did kind of, revive the Canucks after where they were last year um but now they're back down again um at least god don't let yo in term uh yeah I don't know I mean I mean what 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 more damage could he do really like what what could Mike yo do that would make them any worse than they already are (laughs) like it's not there's there's no like that's the and that's kind of the point really right is it's like any no coach is going to magically turn you into a playoff team so who really cares just let yeah. let the let the zamboni driver coach like who cares let let JT Miller coach if you want like just it doesn't it does not matter for the rest of the year really yeah um it doesn't it doesn't exactly matter uh let Bruce and also like we would have to be paying a third coach um because we're still That's, paying Travis Green we would yeah. still be paying Boudreaux we would still and if Aquilini's not going to want to fork over money to buy out OEL, which apparently is a thing they're talking about now. $19 million to buy him out. <laughs> They'd have to ask for $19 million. That is insane. Um, yeah. yeah. Also a little, uh, yeah. Another thing, I remember when people were, when Bruce was hired, they were talking about how he hasn't really gone far in the playoffs um, as a coach. And I just thought, well... Tockett has got to one round of the playoffs and lost. Or he yeah. lost he lost he got into the round robin and then lost in the first round of Colorado. And but, again, this is all yeah. based on the idea that the Canucks are good enough to make the playoffs, which yeah, they aren't. They aren't. So it doesn't ma- it does not matter. Like people always say, oh, the West is a weird division. I'm just like, where's there's no way I know Edmonton is going through it right now. Calgary's 
going through it right now. Everyone is going through it right now, but there's no way we're getting past them at this point in the season. You could make a joke about Markstrom, but we're playing with our second and third journeyman goalies, okay? So we're not we're not getting back to, you know, a playoff standing. We we're we're not getting back to point five hundred on the season, I swear. No, the like the Oilers are struggling right now, but they're still 12 points ahead of the Canucks mm-hmm. like they're that's and that's not and that's not even like talking about, you know, who's in the other division necessarily. Right. Like you the the odds. And it, again, it comes back to the whole thing of like with all of the flaws this team currently has. What are you what do you have to gain by sneaking into the second wild card spot just to get slaughtered by like a by a Vegas or a Winnipeg mm-hmm. or a Dallas like what 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 do you have to like what benefit to how does that benefit you in any way you'd be it, it's it, at this point again it's one of those it makes so much like I know people are very cagey about the whole tanking thing and like that and you know people are concerned about like you know all oh, that you know that this team is better than that than they look and it's like well even if they're better than they look i mean like yeah yeah they're not better than they look and at this point it's like why 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 waste why waste another season trying to go for it when trying to go for a playoff spot when you have frankly at this point better odds at falling all the way into the bottom and land and landing uh, if you even if you don't get Connor Bedard and Adam Fintilli or somebody like or like Mitch Koff, like there there are some great players at the bottom of that draft, guys who would be a consensus first overall pick in any year that Connor Bedard isn't there. So like you're gonna get a great player if you're in that top three. So it's like you're gonna get a like a like a franchise changing talent if you're in the top three, maybe even the top five. So it's like. Why not go for the bottom? Call it a year. There's nothing you're gaining out of this. Just the, call, pull the plug now before it's too late. Yeah, I kind of I want us to do what the Rangers did. You know, they had that whole dramatic we're gonna go through a rebuild thing, and then now they got into the ECF last year. I understand. You know, their first overall pick is not the pick that they technically uh, they scratched Lafreniere a few games ago, but mm-hmm. at the same time. They're still a good team. They're still um, a much better team than the Canucks. And I feel like if the Canucks turn it around better, um, I feel like that's a lot of, that's for a lot of teams right now, specifically like the Kings just went through a rebuild and they're still going through one. Look at their goal differential, but still. Um, yeah. yeah. The, w- the, the way I always phrase it with like the tanking stuff and everything is always like, you know, it's not about, it's not about, it's not really about getting the best lottery odds at bedard as it is guaranteeing yourself one of those other guys in that top five because even because like and that's and that's not nothing and also getting to pick first in every subsequent round if say you finished at last like you get that regardless of how the lottery goes that's not nothing uh it's about the fact that when you tank it obviously means you're trading away a lot of players and getting a lot of picks and prospects back in return which can bring you back to the top faster like those are the kinds of things that really are involved in like that and that's and that's what it's about is it's it's not about one guy magically turning your franchise around so much as it is fine as much as it is guaranteeing yourself a good collection of young players who can it, it, given the right development and time can turn you into one of the to a true contender like a Colorado or uh like a you know like like Tampa like mm-hmm. there's so many teams of the last half decade or like decade of have, have won because they took the time to like 
build to build it correctly and do yeah. it right. Like and the whole shortcuts there. can't won't cut it. You gotta you gotta you gotta sometimes take the long road there, and that's the tough part. Yeah, um, it's kind of like uh, how Kale McCarr saved Colorado, or now with Dallas, they completely swept the 2017 draft, and now they're you know pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like. People need to remember also, I know that Connor Bedard is a big name player and stuff like that, but there are also things after, there are also players after him. Um, There's, and yeah. like the Canucks, yeah, they've never had a first overall pick, but Pedersen was a fourth. Hughes was eighth. Makar was a fifth. Makar was like, a fifth. Yeah. Like imagine if you could imagine if you found yourself in a position to draft a Kale Makar at, at number five, like that's, that's a big, that's a big deal for you. And that's Shane what Wright fell to. Fourth Four. overall. Bar yeah. Brock Besser was 23rd overall in 2015. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and David Pasternak nine. went right behind him. Yeah. Oh, Pasternak. Oh, God. Or Pasternak went right around that number somewhere. And Pasternak's really? a great player. Oh. Like, yeah, I think so. I know, if I believe so. Because that correctly. was also the year, was because it was the 2015 or, draft. It was when Boston had the three in the first round. Oh, and you know what? Maybe that wasn't the. You know what? You're right. That wasn't the Pasternak draft. That was the Zenishin Debrusque uh, Saboral yes. uh, pick, where yeah. they could have had, where they could have had Kyle Connor, um, mm -hmm. Thomas Shabbat, and oh god, who was the last one? There was an All Star Mitch one. Marner was a fourth. All Star Mitch Marner was a fourth. There you go. Like, there's a lot of good. It's all about. It's not Matthew again. Chuck it's was never, a sixth. Exactly. It's never about getting that first. It's never about getting the first odd, the best odds at the first as it is guaranteeing all those other the chances at all of those other guys. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what it's really all about. And you can really change a team uh, taking that direction if you're willing to put in the time and realize that it's going to it that it's that there's no short path, like shortcut path to becoming a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, um, I know. I was just going to mention this just one last thing. I mean, us winning, us losing tonight means that Florida is farther away from leading us in the draft lottery. So, hey, I mean, that's kind of a plus for tonight. I don't know. Um, I think I think the Panthers are a good are they? They're pretty good. Yeah, they're they're good distance away now. They're good. Yeah. Um, Bye. Yeah, no. Uh, and also the Sedins were second and third. Remember that? So. Yep. Technically, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another another tidbit before we end the stream. I just wanted to get this. Uh, Rick Tockett was involved with Operation Slapshot, the infamous illegal nationwide campaign involving professional athletes in the early 2000s, which former head coach Travis Green was also implicated in. Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, the, uh, and uh, he lives in Vegas, I believe. I believe really? I, I, be I believe Patrick Johnson wrote that in the, his That's new article so that they went good. to Vegas to talk to Rick Tockett, which oh my is gosh. very interesting. It's very on the nose. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm just going to show off my pride of joy now. Uh, former head coach Travis Green card when he played for, ironically, the Boston Bruins. And uh, Rick fought Tockett. Dan Cloutier. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, Rick Tockett um, card, potentially the future of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, which is probably not good for us. Anyway. Yep. All right. Thank you very much for joining me, Lachlan, after this game that certainly happened. It was certainly a game. Um, all right. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Remember to like, subscribe, comment down below. Um, rate and review if you're listening to this on a podcast platform. I have been Kaya May at Real Kaya May on Twitter. 
Uh, Lachlan is at lock in the crease, L-A-C-H in the crease, like goal crease, you know, the goalie thing that Spencer Martin really likes to leave a lot. Um, you anyway. get it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, all right. Good night, everybody. Have a great night, and stay safe. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.